What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is time for the MA DFS Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. I am Jason Foy. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, how you doing, man? What is going on, Jason? How are you today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good, man. It's uh, you know, a, a Wednesday for me, which is a double podcast day for me, as uh did my show earlier today. Now now we got uh, our, our show here tonight as we get you ready for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 16. Uh, but uh, before we get in that, let's kind of talk about uh, what we saw last weekend, which uh, I guess if we're going to label out a line of what last weekend was, was a, a, an underdog weekend as we had six underdogs come in last week. Parker Border, Bill Algea, Norman Dumont, Jonathan Pierce, Anderson Dos Santos, and Nate Manis. Uh, and Nate Manis was getting controlled early on in that fight, and he comes back and, and wins it. Uh, Dos Santos, I mean, obviously uh, that that one did not work out for you. I wish I would have listened to my thought of Jonathan Pierce. I did not uh, play enough of him. Uh, Norman Dumont, uh, you know, you mentioned about it last week on the show, a fact of you just didn't know what to expect out of her because of the lack of fight film. Algeo goes out there, gets a win, and Parker Porter, who actually – uh, I spoke to a little earlier today, uh, had, had a win. And uh, I would say the interesting thing that Parker Porter mentioned to me is uh, he's uh, he's looking to get down to about 250 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, great performances all around. And uh, six underdogs coming through was, you know, it's, it's unheard of. So, uh, you know, you had a weird optimal lineup. Uh, we definitely targeted the correct fights. And I know that I had some exposure set uh, perfectly. Um in one of my best lineups, uh, Parisian went out there and didn't really perform. He kind of gassed himself out in round one. If he went out there and killed it, my lineups would have been amazing. But it was still a pretty good, pretty good week. Uh, you know, it was just a crazy night of fights, and it goes to show you that anything can happen in this sport. I mean, l- look what was going on with Nate Manis. That performance was annoying because I thought Sanders looked pretty damn good early on. 
Yeah, no, he was he was looking very good early on in that fight. But uh, I mean, look, that's a it's a fight game, Pete. I mean, it, it happens. Yeah. I mean, and you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you know it happens. I mean, I mean, look, we've been in a, in a a time where just a lot of favorites ha- have been coming in, but uh, we will get you ready for this one. I, you know, I texted you yesterday because yesterday was the first time I actually looked at the salaries. And so I looked at DraftKings. And I was like, okay, all right. Looks kind of normal. Looks what I expect. Then I go to FanDuel. I'm like, holy crap, they have priced up this main event. Yes, they have. Um, you know, and some weird some weird uh, salaries all around. Um, I think it's an interesting week. I do think that a lot of the match, matchups are difficult to determine or have a ton of confidence in one side or another. I do think that there are some that are pretty, uh, you know, pretty point blank what you know which direction you should go but uh, i think that you know it's going to be an interesting optimal lineup again this week i have a feeling yeah i i look at that main event and i go is it you know if you tell me if you say yes or no that fight is in the optimal fan duel lineup i'd probably say no now DraftKings, i think is a totally different scenario where i think yeah it probably ends up in the optimal yeah, it's it's pretty hard for a five round fight to not be in the optimal. Of course, they're priced up eighty two hundred, uh, priced mid eighty two hundred eight thousand. My my least favorite salary range ever, and uh, you know it comes on a very difficult uh, main event to determine. Uh, you know, Vittoria stepping up on short notice to take on Hermanson. It's a hell of a fight, Jason. I'm I'm extremely excited to break it down. This has been a, a musical chairs for Jack Hermanson yeah. as you know initially scheduled to take on Darren Till. Till's out with an injury, now steps in Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland tests positive for COVID. So Kevin Holland now is on next week's card as he's going to take on Jacare Souza. Jacare Souza was initially supposed to take on Marvin Vittori. Of course, Marvin Vittori now in this spot. And the thing that really jumped out to me uh, about this fight is how the betting public has reacted to it. As it was initially, Jack Hermanson was the betting favorite. However, now Marvin Vittori is the betting favorite as he's a minus 135 favorite. Jack Hermanson plus 115 as we do this show. So, uh, Pete, break this fight down for us. Well, you know, knee-jerk reaction is when I, I heard that Vittori was stepping up on short notice. I, I texted you and I was like, you know, I think Vittori is a bad matchup for Hermanson. And then I started to do some digging and some research and I started to watch some fight film and kind of going through my entire, you know, thorough process. And I actually feel like the public, myself, maybe you, I think just everybody in general doesn't give Jack Hermanson the credit that he has deserved uh, within the division, because as soon as like the guy is an animal and he goes out there and from a striking out, you know, standpoint has great volume, not the best striker in the world, but he gets it done. Um, You know, everything's to set up a takedown or get the fight to the mat to, basically either land ridiculous vicious ground and pound some of the best ground and pound out there or work towards towards a a choke and uh you know the guy's submission skills are elite i I can actually say they're elite because when you're so close to submitting a jacare souza one of the best grapplers ever and he was in severe trouble like jack hermanson is nobody to mess with on the mat but if this was like if Vittori had a full camp, I do think that I would be backing Vittori. Now, when when a fighter is stepping up on, on short notice and it's a five-round main event, you have to always take cardio into consideration because uh, Marvin Vittori in his career only has a 73% finish rate. It's not like he goes out there and is like a round one, round two kind of guy anyways. Um, 
the longer this fight goes, the more I tend to favor the experienced Jack Hermanson. I think a five round fight suits him well. I think he has great experience in it. Um, you know, it's just the the stylistic matchup of Vittori's wrestling. Will it cancel out Hermanson's attempt to get it to the mat? Will Vittori, who sometimes when he gets hit, resorts to takedowns to kind of, you know, seal rounds for himself. What happens if that happens? Because, you know, when I saw Vittori scramble against Carl Roberson, he actually made several mistakes and would have had his back taken if uh, if Roberson was wise to it. So I think that Hermanson's the, the play for me. I have a slight lean towards him. I do think you have to hit this main event. So I will be like a 60-40 split for me, but I'm perfectly fine with the discount of Hermanson at 8,000 for a guy that has been training for a five-round fight. Yeah, that, that DK line definitely, uh, you know, it did stick out to me of something that I wanted to look at there. You know, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, the first thing on Marvin Vittori, this is a guy that's been trying to get a top 10 fight for some time. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, look at, you know, how he has talked about this, how his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, has talked about this, that they just were, you know, top 10 guys were not taking him on. And, and look, he is a developing fighter. He continues to get better training now at King's MMA under Rafael Cordero. He's becoming a better fighter. Um, I just, I, I think that on DK, I think there's some value there. FanDuel, I just don't see the value on, on you know, on either side, just because of pricing, you know, $21 and 19 in terms of, but I asked you this question via text message. We'll ask you here on the show. Tell me Marvin Vittori's best win. It's tough. It is definitely tough. Um, you know, and when I was doing the skill comparison of all of them, I definitely gave the the strength of schedule to Jack Hermanson. and I feel like he's fought the tougher, you know, opponents. I mean, because if you look at Marvin Vittori, Carl Roberson, Andrew Sanchez, Cesar Bahia, uh, I mean, that Fajaya win is probably his best win, I would imagine. Um, arguably, you could say that he beat Israel Adesanya. It was a very close fight. And I do think that's maybe why the betting public and people in general are all over Vittori, because you know, you, you see what Adesanya has blossomed into. So everybody kind of wants that narrative. You know, it was like the Joe Duffy, Conor McGregor effect, and uh, it just never really materialized. But I do think Marvin Vittori is very skilled. I just feel like uh, maybe his popularity is inflated here. Now, something to mention uh, right now over at awesomeo.com, MMA ownership projections are free, so go over to awesomeo.com right now and check that out. Now, the co-main event, we got a light heavyweight matchup. We got OSP versus Jamal Hill, 7,800 for OSP, 8,400 for Hill. And uh, over on the betting lines aspect, of course, you can go over to Odd Chopper and check out the lines for this one. OSP plus 145, Jamal Hill minus 165. Break it down, Pete. Man, what a step up in competition for Jamal Hill here. Uh, comes in mid-price, 8,400. If he was fighting a different opponent, of course, and we were getting him hit at this salary, I would be all over him. Now, I am a little, a little hesitant because it's such a huge step up in competition. Yes, he has looked good in the UFC, 2-0, and but he is fighting a guy who did fight for the title and fighting a guy who has literally one of the best resumes in the business. St. Pru is 13-9 and in the UFC, and I don't care that he has nine defeats. I care about that experience and that edge. I mean, if you look at it, he has 39 MMA bouts, professional MMA bouts to Jamal Hill's eight. So, uh, you know, I think that St. Prue's kind of towards the end of his career, despite how he looked in his previous performance, had a great, you know, knockout, um, always has that power. It's his cardio that really worries me. And, uh, 
he doesn't go the, to the takedown well as much as I would like him to. Now, if Ovin St. Pru goes to the takedowns in this matchup, I think that he can have a dominant win against Jamal Hill, who has shown to struggle on the mat. Um, 53% takedown defensive rating for Jamal Hill. It's just the, the cardio of St. Pru. I think that, you know, even if he does take Jamal Hill down, Jamal Hill could probably work back to his feet, uh, ha- possibly avoid a submission. And then uh, I just see OSP fading. And I know that at 7,800, OSP is in consideration because of what he just did in his previous performance. And obviously the green, you know, uh, you know, wrestling of Jamal Hill, you have to consider him. But for me, 8,400 for a guy that throws great straight shots, has great volume for the heavyweight, uh, heavy, light heavyweight division. I think that uh, Jamal Hill at 8,400, I think it's a nice play. Yeah, I mean, I, if I said, if you created a don't trust list and a trust <laughs> list for this fight card, I feel like we know where OSP would be on your list. Yeah, absolutely. Because like when I'm off of OSP, he goes out there and he has an incredible performance. And then when I finally decide to back him, he goes out there and he's underwhelming. So like, you know, this isn't an easy fight. It's a huge step up of competition and he should give, you know, Jamal Hill like a rude awakening. But also you have to think from the UFC perspective, you know, I think that Hill's got a ton of buzz right now. Mm-hmm. And I really think that they're trying to build him. It just might be a little bit too much too soon. Um, split your exposure for this fight, but I do favor Hill. This is the MMA Strategy Show right here on awesomemode.com as we are breaking down UFC Vegas number 16, which, of course, is on Saturday night inside the UFC Apex. And when you want to get access to all the great tools and content we have over at you got to sign up for an Awesome Plus weekly pass. You can get a weekly pass for $29.95, which gives you access to all the sports we have over there at awesomemode.com. Ownership projections, player projections, all the great tools and contents that have made Alex Awesome Baker the number one DFS player in the world. And if you just want an MMA weekly pass, you can get it for $8.95. You see it there right now on the screen. Sign up right now, awesomemode.com slash join. Or if you go to awesomemode.com, right at the top left-hand side of the screen, you'll see Awesome Plus. Click on that to sign up for a weekly pass. Let's move on to the fight card. we got a female fight, Montana De La Rosa taking on Talia Santos. Talia Santos over a two to one betting favorite in this one. She is eighty nine hundred on DraftKings, seventeen dollars on FanDuel, and then Della Rosa seventy three hundred on DK, eleven dollars on FanDuel. Pete, uh, let me know your thoughts on this one, man. Yeah, so I wasn't really a believer in Santos in her previous you know, bout against Amal McCann. Uh, I thought the volume, the work rate of McCann would cause a problem for Santos, and also because like Santos lost to Mara Romero Barella, possibly one of the worst UFC fighters in the women's MMA divisions, um, you know, but things like that happen. And I, I was a victim of, of, you know, falling into the MMA math, like, Oh, you, she lost to this person. I can't back her, but let me tell you, I don't know if that reinvigorated Taylor Santos or what it did to her because she came out and looked like she looked like a, you know, a, a fighter who has 16 wins in one loss. Like she looked incredible. Um, you know, I kind of thought she had like a padded record and obviously like you can, question her record and her uh, level of opposition going back to Brazil. But, you know, uh, Montana De La Rosa, 4-2 in the UFC, has the UFC edge. Uh, just caught a beating not too long ago. Um, and I do think that Montana De La Rosa has some excellent jujitsu. Like, uh, you know, armbar from guard is definitely possible here, Jason. Like, it totally is because uh, it's women's MMA. Um, De La Rosa has some great submissions off of her back. She has an active guard. Whenever somebody has an active guard, they're throwing up Hail Mary, you know, 
submissions to, to, you know, stop the fight. And uh, she has success with that. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, 73% finish rate. Uh, Santos, 75% finish rate. That's actually pretty elevated for women's MMA. So I, I will have exposure to this fight. I do favor Taylor Santos. I think the strength, the power that she possesses uh, in the McCann fight. I mean, I don't know. The girl looks incredible. She looks like she has strong striking, strong grappling. Um, as long as she can avoid, you know, getting put in some bad spots. And I, I just think that she's one of these next fighters that we should be circling and looking at. I think 8,900 is appropriate. And usually I don't get behind, uh, you know, unless it's like, uh, you know, a Valentina Shevchenko. I'm not really, you know, trying to pay the premium. But at 8,900, I'm okay with it to get different. I feel like if we had a Osmo MMA DFS drinking game for this show, anytime we said armbar from guard, take a shot. Take down <laughs> city, drunk. take a shot. Throw, the, throw them bungalows, take a <laughs> shot. Hey, I, I like that. I, that sounds like a cool game. Uh, you know, uh, uh, depending on the show, you might be pretty drunk by the end of the show, though. Uh, yeah, you bet. Yeah, and I'm a lightweight too, so man, you better not say it more than once. Yeah. Oh goodness! Oh man, yeah. It just right as you said that, it just it just popped in my mind there. <laughs> I mean, but Talia Santos, she's going to be highly owned. I mean, it's going to be a fighter that people are going to look at. You know, I, you know, as I, as I I've kind of looked at the higher price options. There's some high price options that I, I really wonder whether or not they will bring you value for what you have to pay for them at, you know, like, you know, we'll talk about Eva Levin a little bit, 9,300, uh, Jordan Levin a little, a little later at 9,200. You know, I look at those price points and maybe does Talia Santos have a better value because of potentially finishing this fight? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I do think that the value rating on Santos is pretty high. Um, I think that she has like a significant striking advantage over De La Rosa. De La Rosa takes a ton of shots. I think that she has a slight wrestling advantage. I do still think that she has a jiu-jitsu advantage. Um, it just seems like she's the better overall fighter, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I, I know De La Rosa has gotten it done under the UFC lights uh, more than Santos, but that's probably more on, uh, out of opportunity. I think Santos is somebody that we need to circle and look at going forward. You ready for me to potentially blow your mind? Let me hear it. So I'll mention what the ownerships are since uh, projections, since they are free on the website. Montana okay. Del Rosa, 31%. Thalia Santos, 19 I love it. I absolutely love it, and I hope it stays like that. And let me tell you, De La Rosa is going to be popular because, A, people target the bottom end of heavyweight fights or bottom end of women's MMA. It has the most variance usually. Um, I don't hate that play. I mean, Montana De La Rosa, like I spoke of, has some great submission skills. I just think that Santos is going to be too powerful for her. I think that you we could be looking at a decent amount of points here. By the way, be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you know a new show is here. Of course, coming up after us is the PGA show, and uh, Russell brings up the point. And it's a great point in terms of Santos so over on FanDuel. He says Santos will get a bunch of takedown defense points on FanDuel. Great point. To bring up there, uh, Russell, uh, Rhett says, are we assuming less ownership on Santos compared to the rest of the higher price fighters? That is uh, that is what we're seeing at this point. So, yeah, that's what we always talk about, uh, you know, is play that ownership game. You know, sometimes yeah. you can you can find yourself in a really good spot. I mean, you know, we, we hope that we we don't have six underdogs come in again this week, because if we do, 
probably going to be a, a rough night for us again. Yeah, I mean, that's those those nights like that happen. I mean, you could be you, you could go to anywhere on the world and, uh, you know, everybody will will be wrong on a lot of that. It was a it was a bad night for a lot of people. It was kind of similar to, you know, the Seahawks line the other night when uh, when they didn't cover the spread. So, you know what I mean? Like everybody was hurting with that. So, uh, you know, we all suffer together. But, uh, you know, we're here to uh, rebound this week for sure. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned earlier the show how I talked to Parker Porter. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about his game plan. And, uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, sometimes in fights, and you, you know this, you got to improvise. And so mm-hmm. I said, so how much of the fight was you improvising? What do you think he said? Probably all of it. 75%. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, I probably had some of my best performances when I don't think, and you just go off of instinct and kind of just change and you go by feel instead of thought. And I think once you get to that level of feel over thought, you know that you're starting to hit your stride. I'll tell you some of the fun, funnest conversations I've ever I have is with coaches after a fight. Yeah, when they talk about my damn fighter, mm-hmm. just yes. threw the window out. The, the The game plan went out the window. I would say the the percentage of fighters that follow game plans probably falls under twenty percent, and uh, I think that's pretty accurate uh, percentage. I remember uh, Ribs telling me a story about Brent Ward when they, yeah, oh when, yeah when Brent was fighting um, yeah. Syed Awad. Yeah. And size was like, don't you want to bang? And Greg says, I look at the other coach go, well, they're with the game plan. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was smart on, uh, you know, his opponent's behalf of, uh, you know, triggering him. And, uh, you know, some people can get lured into a brawl. And that's what we're that's what we're referring to when we mention that. Now, there, every week we, we say there's some fights that are cash fights and some fights that are GPP fights. The next fight to me is definitely a GPP fight. And that being Roman against Allen, Roman eighty seven hundred on DK, seventy five hundred for Allen, and then sixteen dollars for Roman on Fanduel, fourteen dollars uh, for Allen. There uh, to me, uh, this is a fight that I, you know, just go take the under one and a half rounds. I think there's a good chance that this is going to go here, and uh, I think Roman is the right side here. I love the uh, you know the call for the under. Um, I will say that this is a fight I will be targeting. I won't really expect too much out of an output standpoint because, uh, you know, Roman's Roman's output isn't the best. He kind of sits back and waits and then he got lucky. Well, I shouldn't say he got lucky, but he landed the perfect shot and the fight was over. That's not always going to happen. And I don't think that he has the striking advantage in this matchup. I do think that uh, John Allen is pretty damn skilled uh, coming from shoot the box, has great stand-up ability, um, you know, definitely has – the disadvantage on the mat against Roman Delize, who is an ADCC standout, uh, all the grappling credentials in the world. I mean, the guy is one of the best grapplers on the planet. And, uh, you know, the fact that he is starting to develop his striking game, you know, it means a lot. Like the guy can, you know, he's well-rounded or getting to that point. I will say that his wrestling isn't the best, but his jujitsu is. So, when he's unable to get takedowns, you'll see him start really, you know, going to leg locks or if he falls on his back, he's okay with, you know, rolling for the leg locks and whatnot. Um, I just wonder if he can't get the fight to the ground, right. Despite Allen's, you know, deficiencies in grappling and submission grappling, you know, how does he win this fight? Cause I don't think he beats Allen standing, standing up. I do think that Allen probably has the better gas tank, and looked like a machine in, against Mike Rodriguez. Obviously, we have to pay attention to the weigh-ins, and this is one of the fights I circle for my weigh-in analysis. Is I want to um, 
I want to see how Allen looks on the scale coming off a PED suspension. Um, I, I want to see how they both look on the scale. I'm always curious about that because if Allen comes in look, looking a little soft, then maybe I don't really hold his previous performance again against uh, Mike Rodriguez in such a high regard. I will say that Delizze is the A side of the fight and the side that the UFC wants to build for sure. By the way, apparently some of our listeners want to play that uh, drinking game, you know, right, saying that Roman's ready to throw them bungalows. Uh, but but Zachary, you know, brings up a point that you were just talking about, where he said if John Allen still looks juice at the weigh-ins, I'm going to play play him more than I'm currently playing. I love our listeners, Zachary. Great question or comment, rather. Um, you know, and that's exactly where my head's at because when I was breaking down the film, I do think that Allen has a a volume advantage, um, an aggression advantage over Delizze. And I just wonder how Delizze responds if he doesn't find that big shot. I think that he could be on the, you know, uh, down on the scorecards. And I think that Allen's output could be could be pretty nice in a spot. And I will say that if Allen comes in looking jacked and looking like he's, you know, a machine like he was against Mike Rodriguez, I will definitely be including Allen in my GPP pool. I think that, you know, it's fair. 7,500, we know that this fight is a GPP fight. 100% finish rate for Delizze, 92% for Allen. I mean, sign me up for this fight. Our opening uh, fight of the main car will be a matchup between uh, the biggest favorite on this card, Evilev taking on Landwehr. Evilev over a 6-1 to betting favorite in this one, 9,300 on DK, $23 on FanDuel. Taking on Nate Landwehr, who... Um, you know, I I don't know how much he believes in defense. Would that be would that be a, a proper way to break this one down for you? Yeah, I mean, the guy is a maniac. I think that I would label him a psychotic is what I would. Uh, I think that, you know, Evolev is super talented, a great striker, a great wrestler, um, great strength of schedule, great cardio. I mean, the guy is priced appropriately for his skill level, 9,300. The guy is super, super talented. Um, just coming off a fight against Mike Grundy, where Grundy is is an amazing wrestler and was taken down. Evolev, Evolev kept you know working back to his feet and had the striking edge in that matchup. I just love everything about Evolev. This fight, what some of the box score, if you're looking at it, doesn't look like he has the best performances. I will say that Landwehr um, doesn't have the best defensive rating in the UFC. It's improved than how it was over at M1. I will say you know. In the UFC, his takedown defensive rating, 85%. Granted, he only has two fights. And, you know, one of them was against a jiu-jitsu guy. It didn't last that long. The other one uh, was against Elkins, who actually has some pretty, pretty good wrestling. I will favor Evolev quite a bit in this matchup. I think Landwehr is the kind of guy that if he lands a shot, of course, he can change the, uh, the outcome of the fight and definitely possesses that power. I just think that Evolev is the side. I mean, I, I would rather take shots on other people. I think that he coasts to a victory, maybe gets a late stoppage. Um, and I'll be okay with uh, having exposure at 9,300. Sometimes it's just skills pay the bills, and I'm going to sign up for the guy that has the most skills. If this fight goes 15 minutes, yeah, does Evolev pay off his price? I think it's close. I don't really see like a ceiling type of performance because of, um, you know, Landwehr is definitely tough and, you know, Evolev doesn't want to get knocked out. Maybe Evolev's, you know, 
doesn't really have the best success, you know, trying to take him down. I mean, he only has a 33% takedown defensive, I mean, takedown accuracy rating. Uh, he does still average three takedowns per 15 minutes. So I think Landwehr is an interesting FanDuel punt because of the amount of takedowns he's going to need to stop. I don't really have Landwehr in my player pool. There's a reason Evloev is a minus 600 favorite. I like him quite a bit. I just think that he's one of the next big things in the sport. You know, if, if he stops enough takedowns, maybe he's a good cash play on FanDuel. Yeah, I think he would be in my cash lineup. I mean, I always try to put the same. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If this guy's in my lineup for cash, and that's kind of, you know, you just eat chalk. You try to get, you know, the, the guys you know that'll get a W. I don't know how well he will score, but I would imagine it'd be 85 and up. But at 9,300, of course, you're expecting more. And by the way, the uh, fight goes to the decision prop minus 175. So Ozmakers do kind of tend to think yeah. this is going to go 15 minutes. Of course, uh, this is the MMA Strategy Show. If you ever miss our show live on YouTube, you can check us out on the Awesomeo Podcast Network. All you got to do is go to awesomeo.com slash podcast to get the links, whether maybe you want to listen to this show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. So all the Awesomeo shows are available as a part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. Now, our feature preliminary bout is going to be a matchup that's a 155-pound matchup. It's actually a, a matchup of two 45-pounders. This one's at 55. That'll be Gabriel Benitez and Justin James. They were supposed to fight a month ago. However, that fight was uh, scratched due to Benitez testing positive for COVID-19. James told me at the end of last week, prior to Benitez uh, testing positive, he had tested positive as well. Uh, mentioned the fact of uh, you know his quarantine was playing video games with his, with his son. That, w- that was his quarantine. And, uh, you know, and, and he's just, you know, he's a big 45er. And, and he mentioned about the fact of how, you know, it's just a, a short nose fight. Him making 55 is just not ideal for him. And Pete, obviously you, you can relate to that as well as, as, you know, you were a big 45er. So, you, you know, you, you didn't want to try to make, you know, 45 on, on a couple of days notice. But uh, the other side of this is that his father has cancer and this being Justin Jane's. And his father will be in his corner. Uh, the doctors have actually advised for his father not to do this. And uh, Justin is being you know, pretty honest. And, and he said, he goes, this may be the last time my father sees me fight. Yeah, man, I can relate to that a lot. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I will say that, you know, of course, prayers out to James, his father. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, I, I do think that it's the right thing. I mean, have them in your corner. Obviously, it's a, it's a dangerous thing, especially with everything going on in the world. I am intrigued with this matchup, Jason. Mm-hmm. I know that James is your boy. I like James. I love listening to your interviews. Guys, if you want an edge on you know certain fights, Jason interviews a lot of these fighters that we see fight. So if you want inside scoops and all that stuff, you know, check out his stuff. Um, and, and I like what he mentioned about how you know a, a last-minute fight getting down to 45 is detrimental to his performance. So 
Uh, it'll affect your cardio. You're killing yourself to make the weight. Yeah, those are all things. And guess what? You get hurt a lot easier the more you cut weight. You get knocked out a lot easier. Your cardio abandons you. Um, and it plays mental games on you. So maybe that's what happened in Jane's previous performance. I still will, however, favor Benitez in this matchup. I do think that, you know, he's a tricky guy. I think that uh, his southpaw style, you always hear me talk about it. I think southpaws give a lot of people problems. Um, He kicks harder than most people that have ever fought in the UFC. Uh, DC talks about how hard Benitez kicks. And you always have to wonder about a head kick, a body kick. Um, obviously James has crazy round one potential and crazy power in his hands. I will say James probably has the better boxing, but on the outside, he could, he could not get close enough to Benitez. I think Benitez keeps him at range, picks him apart. Um, we shall see. I do think Benitez has fought better competition, does have the cardio advantage. And this card, you're here, me talking about cardio. I'm favoring guys that have the better cardio as kind of like a, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like my difference maker for if I'm close on a fight, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the guy that has better cardio. James is definitely a GPP guy has round one potential written all over him. You saw what he did, uh, you know, on what five days, three days notice or whatnot, went in there, just absolutely shocked the world. Benitez for me could be one of the guys that's mid price that's overlooked. So I don't mind getting to him. I really don't. I just don't expect, you know, I know that they're both strikers. Nobody's really going to be going to the takedown. Well, you would think that somebody falls, but I don't know. We'll see. It could just be a back and forth affair. Maybe, maybe this is a good fight to target either side, but I like Benitez. So, and uh, one of our uh, listeners uh, pointed this out and that was uh, Zachary. The fact of Justin James actually opened up as a betting favorite on this one back on November the 20th. He was minus 155. He's now plus 180. So, you know, that that's always something that I see at, I go, okay, what did the odds makers see in this fight where the betting public sees it totally opposite? Yeah. Um, I think it's also just like of what you saw from James of how he kind of fell off a cliff after round one. Mm -hmm. And if you think Benitez is durable and he was very, very durable in his previous bout against uh, Omar Morales, who hits equally as hard as Justin James Mm -hmm. is dangerous just as much as Justin James. And he wasn't finished. I mean, when you're fitted, when you're finished by few, um, you know, I, I think that means something, especially in the 45, 55 pound division. I like Benitez here. I think it's a fight that I will be smashing. I think that uh, it's a hell of a fight and I can't wait to watch it. Let's move on to the card. A fight that we broke down a couple of weeks ago is happening now on this card. Luis Smolka and Jose Quirinones. Uh Pretty much, I, I think the pricing is exactly the same uh, when we broke down this last one. And I, I guess I'll, I'll just leave it with this is. Do you have a lot of faith in Lewis Smoka after missing weight by three and a half pounds and now he's fighting just a couple weeks later? Uh, you know, does that concern you? Yeah, Louis Smoka kind of concerns me completely. I don't know if, like, what's his deal, man? Like, I feel like his life or his UFC career has always been a rocky road. It's ups and downs. I mean, you talk about absolutely demolishing competition and then getting cut and then working his way back to the UFC and then has a big win and then, uh, you know, loses, um, Casey Kenny, but Casey Kenny has been amazing. Um, and then he misses weight and now he has to make weight again. I don't know. I just think that Samalka is just, uh, I don't want to say a head case because I don't, you know, I want to be respectful, but I, I just don't know if he's fully committed to fighting and I don't know how serious he's taking his career or what the problem is. 
but it really pushes me towards Quinones. And I feel like I'm not alone on this island. It makes Quinones uh, quite more appealing at 7,900. He's going to be my punt play of the week that I am okay with getting to. Um, he actually holds a significant wrestling uh, output advantage. Uh, and Smoka's defensive wrestling is pretty bad. Now, if, you know, knee-jerk reaction when I heard of this fight months ago, I thought, okay, Smoka's good enough. He's starting to really develop his hands, has some good power, always has a good submission, you know, uh, ability to rely on. But then I start looking at numbers and I start watching more fight film and I realize how deficient his takedown defense is. And I'm like, man, against a guy who's so control-oriented in Canonias, who also likes to stand up and trade, I think that Canonias definitely has the edge here, edge in striking, edge in wrestling. You know, I think the cardio, both of these guys, their output is crazy. Um, but I, I definitely will favor Canonias here. I need a 7K guy. And with all those variables being, you know, being spoke of, I, I like Canonias quite a bit. I want to mention this question uh, from Mad Attack, that, and, he, and this was on, on two fires we've already talked about, but I would get your question in now. He says, would you go Benitez or Hill on FanDuel? Well, I think that uh, – well, I will say that Hill will probably have to defend some takedowns, you know, because uh, Ovin St. Pru, if he's smart, will not try to stand up and trade. He will try to take down Hill, who has shown terrible defensive, you know, take down defensive rating. So on FanDuel, I actually would say Hill in that situation because I do think that his take down defense will will get better over time. You know his striking's great. He knows what he needs to work on, and FanDuel's scoring is set up around takedown defensive pointing points. I, so and I'll tell you, and that's why I like playing on FanDuel. Yeah. Is because you can really use that to your advantage. Like, you know, we just had uh, you know, Russell in the comments saying, Are, are you are you joining the fan duel train over here in terms of MMA? I don't think so. And I think I I, don't, I I mean, I will play it every now and then, but like having Martin Day in my captain spot did not work out well for me. The guy is a super talented striker and then he goes in there and, and shoots a double leg takedown. I'm like, My man, what are you doing against a black belt? And you know, that just comes down to fight IQ. You can break down fights perfectly, but the fight IQ, my dad says, you know, uh, what's between your ears separates a lot of fighters. And he's talking about your brain. And uh, I do, I do agree with that. And uh, that was a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is on, on FanDuel and, and like, look, we're like everyone, we play mostly on, on, on DraftKings, but in terms of MMA, if you can find the right low price options on FanDuel that you believe can stop takedowns, it makes roster construction so easy. Now, I mean, look, if you're a GPP player, you, you want to go on DraftKings. That's where the yeah. bigger prize pools are. It, it's just the facts. You Jason, know? you think I naturally would be good at picking FanDuel guys because, like, when I fight, I'm trying to keep the fight standing up, so I have to defend takedowns from everybody. You think that, like me, I would be really good at picking FanDuel lineups, but I like going to DraftKings and targeting grapplers. Like, what the heck is going on? Identity crisis over here. Yeah, it's just, it's a different, I mean, look, I, if, if DraftKings would implement that there's some points for stopping the takedowns, oh, sign me up, man. Sign me yeah. up. I mean, and that's the thing with MMA DFS, it is so new that I, I think you you are hearing some things of DraftKings potentially, uh, you know, doing some things, so. Yeah, because we're, we're talking about it and it's getting to them. Let's go. We are gonna, we're going to really change the landscape of MMA DFS, and it's going to be for the better, and I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, next up, uh, we got Matt Wyman taking on Jordan Levitt. Oh. Jordan Levitt. 
<laughs> making his UFC debut. He's a four to one betting favorite. Ninety two hundred on DK, twenty two dollars on Fanduel. Uh, so I talked to Jordan on Friday, and you know one of the things of you know he talked about. He's like, look, when you know he was young and you know high school. I mean, he's only twenty five years old. You forget about this. He goes, look, he goes, I remember two thousand twelve. I was a huge Matt Wyman fan. Now mm-hmm. I'm taking on this guy who. Uh, you know, has you know, it just came back from a, a what, four year layoff uh, last year, and you know the other th- big thing about Jordan and, and I knew this uh, even before this fight was booked is he had not weight trained at all, had not weight trained at all, and he talked to me about how this has been a humbling experience for him being in Vegas and being at the PI where you know he's learning the proper ways to do a, a bench press. But then he also says, like, he goes, I'm looking at how much I'm I'm working with. He goes, then I look over at a 125-pound fighter, and they've got, like, three times the weight that I have. He says it's a very humbling experience. Yeah, I can relate to that, uh, you know, just early on when I was in high school and I was, you know, kickboxing and all that, and I made my transition to MMA, I wasn't big into weights either. I uh, graduated high school at 133 pounds at six foot, you know, six feet tall. So I was a beanpole. So, uh you know, I, I definitely can, you know, relate to that. I will say that, you know, weight training, especially, uh, you know, at the PI is an ego check. And of course, if you're worried about, you know, the amount of plates that you're putting on, of course, you're going to not really have the best confidence when you're seeing people lighter than you absolutely kill the workouts. Now, in regards to this matchup, man, you're talking about a guy who has a wealth of experience in, in Wyman. Um, you know, it's crazy. He has, you know, uh, 10 and seven in the UFC. So that's 17 more UFC fights than Levitt. And he's a plus 300 underdog. It's crazy, but it goes to show you that Wyman's really not what he used to be. Um, you know, in his previous bouts, uh, he hasn't looked good at all. He hasn't, he's looked like a shell of himself, um, where he's just being absolutely controlled. He's on bottom. Uh, he's taking tons of punishment. He looks inches from being finished. The guy's never been submitted. And in a matchup like this against Jordan Levitt, who has such a strong jujitsu base, I will say that Levitt has the jujitsu edge here, even though Wyman is amazing at grappling. Like Wyman will go for guillotines left and right. You know, he used to take tons of people down. Um, I just think that Wyman's going to be a step behind Levitt on the ground. I think Levitt's more explosive. Uh, Well, I don't know if I could put explosive in the same sentence with Levitt. But I think that he has better control and can control Wyman on the mat. Maybe he starts to integrate some ground and pound because you know you're probably not gonna you're not going to um, submit Wyman. Maybe if you just do a couple pitter patter shots, you can work towards a submission. But the A side is Levitt for me, and uh, I will have minimal Wyman, probably maybe one or two lineups, just in case he pulls off the upset. You know, Levitt did say to me, he said he goes, "I'm preparing like a 2012 Matt Wyman is going to walk to the cage on fight night." You know, which you, you like hearing that mentality there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what does his strength compare. And he did mention he's put on six pounds of muscle. And he goes, look, I, I do feel much stronger in this one. But, you know, he's a very – he's a young guy. Um, I, I think Jordan Levitt, this is not a bad stylistical matchup for him. I think where the bad stylistical matchups will come is when he faces someone who can stop his takedowns yeah. and is a power puncher. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Levitt striking is – absolutely horrible i would love to see like uh they're not the same weight class are they no him and chase hooper are basically the same fighter like Mm -hmm. absolutely terrible terrible striking you know amazing grappling and uh you saw what happened in that bout 
where Chase Hooper was fighting uh, Bruce Leroy and got just lit up because Bruce Leroy was able to avoid the takedowns, danced around him, threw him down, uh, beat him up standing up. I don't really see Matt Wyman being able to do to do that. Wyman kind of welcomes grappling and is okay with being on his back. And uh, I think he's going to be losing rounds against Levitt when he does so. Of course. So you mentioned uh, Pete talking about how big of a betting underdog Matt Wyman is. If you want to check out the betting odds for this one, go to awesomeo.com right there at the top of the screen. You got awesomeo odd shopper where you can sit there and see what all the odds are, not just for MA, NFL, NBA's right around the corner where we've had a trade tonight. Uh, you know, Russell uh, Westbrook is now a uh, Washington Wizard. John Wall is now a Houston Rocket. Oh. Yeah, that one came, that oh. one came down during the show. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. the heck? What a big move, huh? Yeah, big move there. But uh, if you want to check out some of the odds there, go over to Odd Shopper, where if you sign up, it's all for free. You can track your bets and also get alerts when a betting line hits a line that you're looking for. That is awesomeoddshopper.awesomeo.com. Check it out today. Let's move on to the fight card. Fight that I'm really interested to watch, uh, just from a, a fight aspect. Jimmy Fleck. Versus Cody Dern and Cody Dern at plus one forty five betting underdog in this one. He's seventy seven hundred on DK, eighty five hundred for Jimmy Fleck. Break it down for us, Pete. I will say that this is probably the second most difficult fight to break down. Uh, first would be the main event between Vittoria and Hermanson. I have been struggling with this fight all day. Um, I think Flick is so so talented. I think Durden is super talented and impressed me in his debut. Uh, you know. He had a draw against Gutierrez. And you know, when you step up on short notice and you have such a performance like that, we knew on short notice, right? You're going to not, ha- you're not going to have 15 minutes of cardio. You're going to have a drop off. But guess what? When I see somebody drop off the cardio cliff and they're still willing to fight and they're still showing me that dog, it makes me want to get behind that fighter. And it really impressed me and it impressed the entire industry. Um, I will say that Flick has some of the best jujitsu out there. Similar to Brandon Roybal, I think it's a, a pretty good comparison of, mm-hmm. of, you know, throwing up submissions off of his back, chaining together different techniques, um, being relentless with his transitions and grappling. I will say that this is a, uh, this is going to be a crazy matchup. This is literally like gas in a match. I think that Durden dropping down to 125 pounds is interesting. And I think that Durden, We'll have the striking edge despite Flick being, you know, okay on the feet. I think it's a, a you know, very close striking match, but I would give Durden the power advantage. I would say that he is the more aggressive standing up, whereas Flick's trying to do everything to set up the takedowns. Um, it's a close fight, Jason. I just think that maybe Durden might be a little too strong for Flick uh, moving down a weight class. We'll have to see how he looks on the scale because obviously whenever you're moving down a weight class, could zap your cardio, could zap your strength, could you know, result in you know changing your performance. But despite Flick's crazy jiu-jitsu skills, if you look at his resume, he has been TKO'd several times and finished in the past. And if he is on bottom of Durden, I think Durden can work towards that. I, I think it would be very stupid of you guys to avoid Flick. I think Flick has GPP upside at 8,500, but Durden's another underdog that I think can pull off the victory and I'm signing with Durden. Uh seeing a lot of chatter right now in, in the chat about Tapora. And let me just phrase it this way. Is he your favorite nine K option? I love Taporia. Um I will say 
of the 9K options, right? I mean, I think Evloev is the safer one to get a W. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levitt is inexperienced, but Taporia is a guy that I love. And I don't want people to think that Taporia is just a wrestler because the guy should have the striking advantage against Damon Jackson here. Uh, Taporia has shown that he can knock people out, puts together aggressive boxing combinations, but everything's to set up you know, his wrestling. I just wonder if Taporia does that, and he gets caught in a, in a funny situation where Jackson, you know, he's always a threat on the mat, mm-hmm. but we have seen Jackson take it down and treated like a rag doll. We just saw it against Mursad Bektik, uh, not, not too long ago. Um, I think Taporia can do the same exact thing. I think Taporia, uh, his confidence is great. Strength of schedule is not the best though. And I will say that strength of schedule for Jackson. Um, and I would say that, Jackson does have the cardio edge slightly. I mean, the concern regionally was that Taporia was, was like a round one, round two kind of guy. Doesn't really have the great cardio for, for three rounds. I think this is a scramble fest, but I do favor Taporia quite a bit at 9K. I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Damon Jackson, obviously we saw what he did uh, in his return to the UFC. Uh, you know, so, you know, potentially could be, you know, value there, but I agree with you. I like Taporia. In that spot, the opening fight of the night, a heavyweight matchup. Is this uh, another one that you can't wait to see what the scales, they look like on the scales? Yeah, so, I mean, these are all our first takes, right? And then, like, we see sometimes the the weigh-ins happen or we lose a fight or whatnot, and then live before lock, if you guys don't join us, you're definitely missing out because live before lock, we go over everybody's questions. We go up the over the updated news and how people looked on the scale and, you know, this, that, and everything. And I will say that this is one of the fights that you – we need to see how they look on the scale because Collier came in last fight against my boy, Tom Aspinall looking like a completely different fighter. And I'm not saying like stylistic wise, it didn't even look like him. He had a body transformation. Obviously I hope everything's okay with Collier, but (laughs) yeah, it wasn't good. And I hope everything's okay with Collier. I just, uh, I wonder people start taking fights with paychecks. Let's be, let's be real. The UFC comes knocking. You're just going to accept it. And you don't know what's going on in people's personal life. Volante at heavyweight looks like he's letting himself go. This is literally go down the street to the local biker bar, biker bar, and that's what we're going to see right here. Um, I don't know, man. I think Volante wins this all day. I don't. I don't think that Collier, the Collier of old, can definitely put up a fight. But mm-hmm. this new Collier, Collier negative two point I think that uh, I don't know about that. Give me Volante. Yeah, I would say when he uh, he showed up to the to his last fight, I was like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, man. Like, like that would be. I feel like that would be if all of a sudden you magically became a two hundred five pounder. <laughs> I'm about to become a hundred and seventy pounder. I'm telling you, and uh, you know, I I. So you so, you, is, so you say I need I need to give ribs a call and say, "Hey, ribs, uh, I hear Pete's putting on some weight." No, man, I don't get it. I just, I hit 30, you 30 slaps you in the face. And then next thing you know, you're, you're 25 pounds. No, I don't know. But in regards to Collier, man, if he comes in looking like he did last fight, I'm not touching him at all. I want Volante all day. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's one of those ones you got to look at. Uh, Let's go through uh, some, uh, our, our fight picks here. Uh, Let's go, uh, let's go bottom the top this time. Uh, So John Volante, Jake Collier, give me Volante. Volante. Uh Tapora Jackson, I think we know where you're going there. Tapora. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh Flick Durden. This is an interesting one. It's a close fight, man. Um, 
I say Durden, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with the underdog here, Durden, as well. Uh, give me Jordan Levitt against Matt Wyman. Levitt. I, I, just, I, I just don't think you can have faith in Matt Wyman at this point. He hasn't looked like Matt Wyman. He has Matt Wyman's name attached to his body. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Louis Smolka and Jose Quinones. Quinones for me. I, 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 it's Quinones just because I, I just don't think to trust Louis Smolka um, after what we've seen recently. Uh, Gabriel Benitez, Justin Jaints. I'm going Benitez. I'm going Benitez as well, even though I, I would like to see Justin Jaints win. But, you know, sometimes you got you to gotta make the, pits, uh, the picks with your brain and not, not your heart there. Uh, Landwehr, uh, Evolev. I'll give you the Yeah, Evolev for me, yeah. Uh, give me Roman against Allen. Okay, now this is a hypothetical one. Allen comes in looking good. I'm picking Allen. Okay. Uh, I, I like uh, Talia Santos against uh, Montana Del Rosa. Santos, big time. Uh, Jamal Hill, OSP. This is one I keep going back and forth on. Um, OSP. I don't feel good. About okay. That. I don't <laughs> yeah. feel good about that. At Cringeworthy. All. I'm going Jamal Hill. Uh, main event: Jack Hermanson versus uh, Marvin Torrey. I'm going Hermanson. Uh, give me the discount at eight thousand. Yeah, I, I'm going there as well. I do like uh, Jack in that spot. Of course, uh, Pete and uh, Josh will be live before lock on Saturday, as it is That's right. Buc- it is the Buccaneers bye week, so uh, I will not be in town. So uh, you can have some fun with Josh. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be sitting at the bar. Cocktail in hand, I might just pop my phone up. I might just start trolling you from the YouTube channel. Yeah, you might win some money. Listen to us. Uh, yeah, Whoa. you know. <laughs> oh. Damn, nah, you know. that is dagger. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, Josh brings that great and uh, analytical approach that I don't. You know, um, you don't either. It's just a, it's completely different, but I like it. It's a different mind. Oh yeah, um, most definitely. I, lo- yeah, I love doing shows with Josh. It's, yeah, it's, me too. I it's mean, it's just it's a, it's a different, you know. We we break down the fights more as from a, a fight aspect, where he brings the analytical aspect. It's really you know it's it's a different mindset to look at. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, man. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Make sure you hit that like button if you appreciate this video. We appreciate you. Uh, stay tuned for Live Before Lock on Saturday. Um, I'm I'm dropping some exclusive content as well. Just if people want to see like a deeper analysis of fights, you know, I'm pretty thorough with my research. So, uh, so we got, us tonight, guys. so we got 11 fights setting the number at five and a half on finishes. Where are we going? I'm going over. Okay. All right. I'm going over. I think it's a weird week, man. It's not one. It's definitely not one of my favorite fights. I mean, fight cards like, this is a disaster of a card, but hey, we're here. True, false. Yeah, we lose a fighter at some point this week on this card. True. You just say true now in COVID. <laughs> it's good, it's Vegas. <laughs> yeah, Vegas, COVID times, absolutely. Look, we're I I think we're just gonna we're gonna see more and more. You know, uh, Leon Edwards, you know, pulled out of the main event last week. I, I was reading Brett Okamoto's tweet where he was talking about lost twelve pounds in four days. Wasn't couldn't couldn't train. Man, and, and that was part of what Justin James is talking about, how he kind of dealt with COVID as well. I mean, so it's uh, you know, it's 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 our world, and uh, you know, every every promoter that's putting on events, this is some. I was talking to uh, the XFC president Myron Malaki a little earlier today, and you know, we kind of had that conversation of like, man, as a promoter, like you're you're dreading those last COVID tests and just praying someone doesn't test positive. I know, man, it's crazy. I mean. 
we're thankful that sports are around. You see the NFL, people popping and everything. But, uh, you know, thank, God, thank goodness we have something going on. But, uh, you know, we kind of have to expect and just roll with the punches. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think you're UFC. You got you to gotta credit DFS for helping grow the sport during the pandemic. I think so. You know, I, I talked about that today right now on my podcast. But uh, that is going to do it for the MMA Strategy Show. Coming up next is the PGA Show. So keep it locked here on awesomeo.com. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.